Hey, what's up? Um, I'm sick. You can hear it in my voice. I sound all... Um, maybe I don't sound like that. Maybe you haven't noticed. Maybe this is the first time you're ever hearing my voice. In which case, welcome. Um, and yes, I'm a pretty weird dude. So, um, I hope, I hope we become close friends. You and I, you know, well acquainted and all that kind of stuff. Um... Yeah, there's a lot of background noise. Um, I don't know why my computer is is getting really excited. Um, and and it's... Wow. It's really loud. I'm sorry about that. Um, how have I been? Well, it's nearly Christmas. And you know what? I don't even like Christmas. Um, I never have. And I'm really glad that I'm really far away from Melbourne and any kind of... Um, obligation to see anyone. Um, so I'm just going to kind of roam around the streets of London on the 25th and, um, wallow in a pit of despair and isolation. Um, no, I'm sure it won't be that. I'm just being dramatic, you know, I'm I'm sure it won't be that lonely. Um, Christmas is okay. Um, I think I started losing interest in Christmas, um, when I was, quite young. Um, but I think the, the main, the main thing was, um, on Christmas Eve of the, I don't know, maybe I was 15 or something. My mum's really bad at buying presents. Um, and she, she rushed out of the house. She ran, ran somewhere. Um, she didn't actually run. She got in the car and drove and she drove, she came back. And then in the morning I was like, wow, what can, what could my mum have bought at like 11.50 PM last night? And I went into the living room and my mum was there and she's like, haha, Merry Christmas, Alexander. Um, and I was like, oh, thank you, Liliana. That's my mum's name. I don't call her Liliana. Um, I'm not that weird. Wow. I think I said that too loud. Um, yeah. And then, um, I opened it and she bought me a calculator and not like a good calculator, just like a scientific calculator, but like one for, one for like like one with really big buttons. And like, I thought about it and I was like, I mean, like I, I had a calculator, like I had a few f- from school and like what? I looked at my mom, I was like, mom, like what, what? And she was like, I don't know. I, I, I was like, what, what do you need? I, and I thought about it and I was like, he needs a calculator. Um, so I think since then I've had a really troubled and um, difficult and strained and, um, yeah, I don't know. Christmas torments me and I'm reminded of, of, um, calculators of Christmas's past. So, um, yeah, I hope you have a, a joyous Christmas full of numbers and arithmetic and algebra and, um, that kind of stuff. Um, and how are you? What's going on? What's going on in your life? How's your week been? Um, I, um, yeah, I bought, I bought a sad lamp if you don't know what a sad lamp is, it's pretty funny actually that they called sad lamps because, um, they're for people who are sad like me. Cause I'm, a, I'm sad. I'm a sad dude. Um, but the sad in sad lamp, not like the sad as in Alex's sad, like the sad in sad lamp stands for seasonal affective disorder. Um, because yeah, when like, I don't know why, like why, why it's so dark in the UK. Like, I don't know. It's just always really really dark in London. Um, and well, in, in December, at least it's so dark and, and I have this lamp and it's so bright. It hurts. It hurts.
hurts. It hurts. It hurts my face, my eyes. I was seeing red for like 45 minutes today. That means that I, I, I don't know. I don't know what that means, but that, that can't be good. Um, I'm looking at it right now. Actually, it's, it's, it's shining light onto the wall. So it's not even facing me and it's still exceptionally bright. Um, so yeah, if you're feeling sad, um, I don't know whether this light is, uh, is worth buying. Um, I spent, I spent a lot of time researching. If you want, if you're ever feeling sad, um, you should go and read the reviews that people leave for sad lamps. Um, people, people leave funny reviews often, but I don't think, I don't think I've ever come across stranger reviews than reviews for sad lamps. Um, because yeah, a lot of them make noises and stuff like you can get sad alarm clocks. Anyway, I'm not even being sponsored by a fucking sad lamp company to talk about them because you know why I'm not being sponsored because I'm so fucking good at segues. And now I'm going to tell you why you should support this podcast. So I'm not supported by any fucking sad lamp companies because, Hey, this podcast is ethical and I don't want to be fucking telling you to buy shit that you don't need. So what are you going to do? You're going to sit back on your chair, on the train, wherever you are, and you're going to reflect and you're going to be like, Hey, um, this Alex listens podcast, this Alex guy, is he, is he saying things that are interesting? Is he saying things that are helping me? Do I want his podcast to continue? If your answer is yes, please support me and the podcast. Um, I, I, I need your help. I need to keep, to keep this podcast going. I need your help. Um, takes up a lot of time. Uh, I do all the editing. I record all of the things. Um, I make the music. I reach out to people. I manage the social media. It's a lot. It's like a job. It's like having a child. This podcast is like a baby. I've got my own baby. Um, no, it's not like having a baby. Actually, I spoke to my mum. I I don't know. I spoke to my mum about what it was like raising me and, um, I think raising me is harder than hosting a podcast, but, um, in any case, like, I don't know, have a think about it. And like, if you like the podcast, please, like there's this thing called Patreon. I'll put a link for it in the, in the bio somewhere and you can go on Patreon and you can, you can pledge like, I don't know, the equivalent of one tea per month, like one English breakfast, Earl Grey, peppermint, chai, Assam, whatever kind of tea you want. It's like that. That's pretty much all, all you're giving. Like, I mean, if, if only, only consider supporting if you're in a position where it's not going to, um, where, where you can, um, and it would be know that, know that any, any contribution will be very helpful. Um, Patreon's great. You should check out Patreon. You can become a patron. Um, you can help me out or you can, you know, PayPal, whatever. PayPal's not as exciting because Patreon means that we kind of have a, uh, relationship of sorts where like, um, I release an episode, you get me a tea or something like that, but you're not actually buying me a tea because like you're probably somewhere else in the world. Um, but you can buy me a tea. I mean, send me a message if you're in London, like, like, Hey Alex, you're an idiot. Your podcast sucks, but I want to buy you a tea because, um, because yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you need one. You thirsty, cold, cold as in physically cold, not emotionally. Make sure that's not what you're thinking. Um, ouch. Um, yeah. Have you ever heard anyone pitch a podcast as, as good as that? Um, I need to get outside more. I've been indoors for too long. Um, anyway, um, 
today I had a conversation with my friend Mina. And Mina is from Yorkshire. And Mina is half Thai, half English. Um, and we spoke about... Mina now lives in London. Um, and she's an artist and she's about 15,000 other things. Um, and yeah, she works for this big... Uh, she does like some cool internship for some big advertising company, which, you know, I think is pretty bad because like, I don't fucking like advertising and those slippery, snaky, slithering bastards keep fucking whispering in my ears and my dreams telling me to buy shit. Why? Leave me alone. I don't want your fucking products. Um, but Mina, uh, it seems like Mina's, it sounds like Mina does some different stuff for them and she does some cool graphic design. She also designed the, uh, artwork for this podcast. So I'm sure you can see why those slippery advertising monsters are trying to steal her and her talents. Um, but we briefly spoke about her work and I briefly had a go at her, (laughs) um, for, for working in advertising, but that's fine. Um, we, we, we also spoke about colonialism and, um, that was a big jump, hey, politic for, um, from advertising to colonialism. Um, um, we, we spoke about Mina and my experiences of being mixed race and growing up in white spaces and being around people who are extremely privileged and who remind us mixed race people that we look different to them. And we have a conversation about how People can ask us where we're from in a way that doesn't make it feel like they're telling us that we're different from them. And I talk about a weird experience on a date that I had where someone was saying weird things to me about the way I look. And, um, yeah, I think, um, I think that's, I think that's pretty much it. I think I've spoken for how long? Oh my gosh. 10 minutes. Um, 10 minutes. That's a long intro. Well, well, um, if you don't know what the show's about, um, I don't even know what to tell you, but, uh, it's about interesting stuff and stuff you probably need to think about. So keep listening and give me your money. Um, <laughs> ha 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 ha. I'm only joking. Ha ha ha. Um, but yeah, enjoy, enjoy the podcast and, um, yeah, I think it's a cool episode and goodbye for now. Oh uh, yeah. And, um, you should go on my website www.alex.co C-O. and alex obviously a-l-e-k-s not that a-l-e-x nonsense um because yeah on there there are resources and there are other podcast episodes and there are some essays and some interesting stories that i've written and there's some more information about me if you want to know about me because i'm a narcissist and you should want to know about me um no i'm not a narcissist um uh yeah Anyway, sorry for telling you that the episode was actually about to start and then giving you some more useless information. But um, yeah, it's going to start now. Bye. Hi. Hey. Hi. How are you? Hey. I'm <laughs> good. How are you? Yeah. Sleepy. Mm-hmm. Sleepy. How are you? I'm good. You totally can't, you great. Can't, you totally can't. great. Yeah. Totally. Totally great. Every fiber of your being is great. Most of them. 
Ja? Mm. Why? I'm off work. I'm off work. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Being in London and off work is okay. good. Is it actually? Yeah, because you have time to do stuff that you never get to do. And what's that stuff? The stuff that I never get to do. Mm. Um, do things like go for walks, mm. draw, mm. cook, mm. spend time with friends, housemates, look after cats. Mm. That's something that I'm doing. Do you think clean that- all the all of these things are like really small things that are really quite boring, but mm. you don't get to enjoy when you work full time, mm. like me at the moment. Mm. And before 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 I ask you about your work, mm. why um. Why do you think, do you think you, like, okay, do you think you just get too tired after work to be able to enjoy those things? Mm. Like, because obviously you can still go on a walk after work. Yeah. I guess it depends, like, what kind of day I've had Mm. and how I'm feeling, Mm. like, emotionally and energy levels and things. Um, But definitely working full time, you definitely feel like you you're always counting the time that you have left and it's always like oh this is like even before you go to sleep you're thinking oh this is how many hours I have before I wake up and go to work again um do you actually think that I do yeah Mm. it's quite stressful that sounds quite stressful and it's definitely like not a way to continue to be if if I do end up working full-time because then then it then it totally becomes your entire life Mm, because when you're not at work you're like i've got Mm. seven hours until i start again and then when you're at work you're like i've got seven hours until i'm free Mm -hmm. but then are you ever free i mean i find that when i'm free i kind of leave work and then i'm i have to go back to work the next day Mm. so it's hard to actually enjoy that time Mm. so yeah do you think it's possible i think it's completely possible really yeah i think it just depends what kind of person you are okay is it possible for you yeah what some work what some yeah like as in some work some kinds of work like how i cope with stress and things like that and how i see like life Mm. and like what i want to do with it Mm. um Mm. and you wanted me to ask you my voice is Mm. going all You wanted me to ask you this exact question. So, Mina, mm. what do you do for money? <laughs> <laughs> what do I do for money? Um, so I'm an... Oh, so hard to say it. I'm an artist. <laughs> See the strain in my face? <laughs> um, yeah, I do design work. I do digital animation digital drawing mm. graphic design mm. make things mm. um have printed t-shirts and stuff in the past um done loads of jobs i guess when you are a creative person and you live in a city like you end up doing you don't want to work full time because then you don't have the time to pursue what makes you happy which is making work for yourself so then you have like lots of little jobs. So I've worked in retail, I've worked in cafes, I've worked in restaurants, I've worked mm. in bars. And it's like, I'm actually working full time now for the first time. Um, and what do you do in that job? So it's it's at an advertising agency. Um, I'm like, my course is like separate to the 
work that the agency are making so I'm not I'd like to say I'm not directly um, contributing to making the advertisements <laughs> that they make you're not directly um, contributing to the corrosion of your soul mm, yeah mm, but, they, but they are indirectly yeah but it's a it's a lot it's like nine to six five yeah, days a week sure. five months um but it's been good i'm like halfway through now mm. um these opportunities are really difficult to find in london mm. in in big cities especially where you get paid living wage yeah right which is 10 pound 50 an hour jeez i think okay that's not, that's living yeah. wage. That's so. D- d- does living wage mean it's enough for you to live off based on a full time salary of that amount in London? In London, okay. Mm. Mm. So it's different to minimum wage, which is like seven sixty five or something. Yeah, which is an, which is a stupid yeah. price, stupid salary. Mm. Imp- like you can't. I don't, I don't know how you're supposed to live off that in London. Um, everything is. Like to breathe. Mm-hmm. Every time you breathe, mm-hmm. Boris Johnson like rips like <laughs> five pounds out of your esophagus. Um, okay, yeah. uh, I, have a, I have a question. Yeah. So you know how I made the rude joke about you, your soul being corroded? Yeah. Um, if you had said no to the job. So in, in one of the other interviews I did, which you listened to, I think, with Pia? Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing she said was that... Um, if you haven't listened to the interview with Pia, you should go and listen to it, okay? Um, uh, one thing that she said was, um, I want to do, I will do certain work because if I say no, someone else is just going to do it. Mm. Um, and she's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I wouldn't be able to say no to certain work because I need money to live. And I'm, I'm sure it's the same with you. Mm-hmm. But that argument is used by a lot of people to justify bad things. Like yeah, some yeah. people want to eat meat all yeah. the time. And they're like, well, like if I don't fucking buy it, like some other dickhead is going to buy mm-hmm. it. <laughs> um, so like where where is the, where is like the bit, where's like the, the good bit in that, in that equation? Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I think if you're a freelance, if you're an illust- if you're an illustrator, if you're a graphic designer, if you're doing freelance work, which is really unstable, and you literally are struggling to pay your bills, if someone comes along to you, if like okay, let's say Jeff Bezos. I mean, yeah, but he wouldn't, though, would he? Well, <laughs> does your company work for Amazon? Nah. Okay. Um, let's say okay let's say it's like a let's say it's a clothing brand yeah. that have been known for being really environmentally like just crappy yeah. and treating workers crappy and their clothes are made in sweatshops which is a lot of like high street shops let's say one of those shops comes to you and says we want to collab on this campaign yeah we want you to make illustrations for it we'll pay you this amount and like if you can't pay your bills your prop's gonna do it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But then, like, then. But so, then. But then, like, should there be something in place to allow people to say no? 
like a, a like a better social welfare system or like mm. a universal basic income or something some like safety net wow. and like this is obviously idealistic like these things are hard to implement but like i don't know one thing that australian students over the age of 23 who are studying mm. full time and who aren't earning over i don't know x dollars get is a salary from the government that you don't have to pay back. Really? Yes. Wow. Everyone. Mm. And like, That's well communist. Yeah. That's so communist. Yeah, That's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's great. We would never have that here. Yeah. We have universal credit, which... What's that? Universal credit. So they changed the benefit system. Um, I actually can't remember uh. when. Um, so now we use universal credit here, which is... Like if you are really struggling for money, universal credit is probably not really going to help you. Um, it's things like I think the timings when it gets paid in and the amount of paperwork and stuff you have to do to keep it. But what, really, what is it? It's like it's but it's a welfare. Oh, yeah, benefit. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's it's got a lot of flaws and mm. it's caused. I mean, basically, it's caused a lot of deaths. Like a lot of people who really needed it couldn't get it when mm. they needed it. Mm. Um, and like what if we want to talk about the election a little bit no oh yeah okay, okay. yeah 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 <laughs> just for the purpose of this point yeah yeah um, you know Labour were Labour were promising a, a reform of this system and yeah and we're not going to get that now so mm. um, actually yeah, yeah like maybe the welfare state here is kaput like it's going down the drain Mm. Like there is nothing along with things like the NHS. Like it's all yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a and the NHS. Yeah. People who don't know is the nationalised National health care service. National health service. Yeah, National health yeah. service. But yeah, like in Australia we call it Medicare. Mm. In America they call it nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Um, Which is maybe the route that we're going down here. Because, yeah, there's a fear that it's going to be sold to the big American pharmaceutical companies, right? Yeah, massive. Yeah. Um, All right, here's a question. Mm. Um, Okay, first of all, what what should people know about you? Um, What should people know about me? Um, So I've lived in London four years. Yeah. I'm not from here. I'm from Yorkshire, um, which is sort of northeast of England. Um. Yeah, and from a small town, um, I'm mixed. So my dad is British Welsh, and my mum is Thai. So I grew up in a very very small town slash village. With, I mean, yeah, it was predominantly white. Like I didn't have friends who were any other ethnicity other than white. Um, if I did, they were like family friends. Um. So yeah, that's something that we've talked about mm. quite a lot mm. recently. So, and um, how is the election? How is the Tory victory going to affect you and your family, or or people from Yorkshire, mm. or people who aren't kind of um, people? Yeah, I guess people who. How do you think it's going to affect the people who needed a Tory, uh, a, a Labour victory? 
Like what? Like people who don't don't live in London. Yeah, like people people who don't come from money. Mm. Um. Yeah, there isn't really anywhere. I would say that London is there isn't anywhere like London in in the UK. Like, Mm. but London pretty much entirely voted Labour. If you when you look at it like that, yeah, yeah, um, it hasn't. It's some some constituencies <laughs> some constituencies have changed hands mm. um both ways some have switched to labor some have switched to tory um that mainly down to a lot of campaigning like on the ground um but yeah it is really really easy to forget if you live here and you surround yourself with people who have similar views to you and you know you maybe don't really maybe apart from like work or something like why would you ever be having conversations with people who you have such different political views with like it's unlikely that you have that Mm. in London um and yeah like all the wealth is saturated within the city and you've got towns like ex-mining towns or like factory based like towns that their economy grew because of factory workers and stuff like stuck on Trent, places like that and a lot of these places people don't have that many jobs anymore and like the younger people want to leave, they want to go to the city um, unfortunately a lot of these places um, I think people find it quite easy to blame things like that blame the lack of jobs, blame sort of the failing of the like the basically the government failing the people like they blame it on things like immigrants hmm. it's really easy for them to just be like oh i don't associate i don't have i don't have direct contact with immigrant peoples they're not in my social circle so it's very easy for them to just blame hmm. this group of people yeah, yeah yeah and then when you ask well why like you're probably not going to get an answer hmm. and or it'll be like fake news oh, or something. it would be ridiculous yeah. like something ridiculous and like when you're fighting against the newspapers that are all owned by billionaires yeah yeah and the media which are supposed to be impartial but are not like it's how do you reach how do you get your views like say you're a socialist and you know that this this and this would really benefit the country and that like, you really believe in it and like this person this political party can do that how do you then convince these people of something which is really radical to them Mm. because they have been let down by the government so why on earth would there be a government in their lifetime that could actually improve it yeah so much easier for them to just blame it on someone else yeah yeah um i i honestly don't i don't know the answer to that question Mm. and like that's what that's what didn't happen in this election or didn't happen successfully there wasn't like there wasn't that conversion there wasn't that conversation or maybe maybe there was but it wasn't done in a way that convinced people to change Mm-mm-mm. um but yeah like do you do you have any ideas do you have any ideas how um like how you can convince someone who yeah like how how do you convince the person who has worked in mines for their entire life there's nothing wrong with working in mines for your entire life but how do you convince a person who's worked in mines for their entire life who has who hasn't met a migrant before um 
may, maybe that's impossible actually mm. but like who hasn't um who hasn't seen like who hasn't seen like the fruits of diversity mm. um like who hasn't seen what it's like in london that's so many people yeah, yeah but ha- so ha- many people yeah. how, how do you like what what do you think how do you it's like it's because they've never had these interactions on a personal level i think okay so it's easy for them to but how do you how do you what's the solution yeah mm. that's a really tricky question um like how do you talk to someone who doesn't share your experience mm. this is a I question mean, that i keep from, returning to yeah from my experience canvassing canvassing is campaigning which is like literally you have a list of addresses you knock on these people's doors and you sort of ask them if they want to a lot of the time maybe they don't want to talk about it but you ask them like who you're voting for in the election why and you know just have a conversation with them basically and ask them what their concerns are like um what's their main a lot of people i would say like 90 percent of people say brexit because this brexit is basically what divided the whole country the whole election and places like where i'm from in yorkshire um which is like a scarborough is like a working class seaside town um yeah people there i would say like a huge majority voted to leave but like what what how to answer your question Mm. um i think i think some people just can't be persuaded really wow unless you literally locked them in a room with someone who was going to persuade them like who like a migrant wow for them to actually be like listen to my experience like you know to just be like i'm not here to do a job like this is what i'm like one thing that i do struggle one thing i've struggled with is my mum is an immigrant yet it doesn't change the fact that some of my family have got some really shitty views. Yeah. And it's almost like, well, why is it okay for her to come here to get married and to have a family and to work, but it's not okay for someone who's coming from an actual war-torn country to seek asylum? Mm. That's where I don't get it, like, where people are, what's going on in their head. Mm. Yeah, well, same mm. thing happened with my mum. Like, mm. um, my mum migrated at a time when Australia was like, um, excuse me, we need people in the factories. Mm. So come and work in the factories. And then they got on a boat. My grandparents and my mum and my uncle got on a boat from Italy mm. for like six weeks, a f- like a big boat full of people and just came and like were given passports. Mad. Yeah, and today, today, like, yeah, like you're right. Yeah. What? But yeah, to, today, people have been sold the image of the migrant, the immigrant, the asylum seeker, the refugee as being a threat to privilege. Sure. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how you you tell someone that that that's not because like mm. if you've grown up only around white people 
and you've the the only society that's worked for you has been a totally white society and you introduce the image of a person of color mm-hmm. and a refugee someone who's come from a war-torn country if you introduce that into your society then it's no surprise that like people have been very easily able to associate that with oh no the society isn't mm-hmm. going to work mm-hmm. they're evil they're going mm-hmm. to take our mm-hmm. jobs they're going to yeah like yeah that's that's a very easy image yeah to sell um and it's a lot it's a much easier image it's a much easier idea to get your head around when the actual issues are like these huge socio-economic yeah for real things it's like the fear if you instill fear in people then they will you know they do things that they wouldn't usually do like they'll turn a blind eye to things that they wouldn't usually i don't know i feel like this election has been like a fear-mongering thing But it's the same what's happening in the US. Like it's just like all this shock politics and sort of you hear like you hear something about Boris Johnson, like, oh he hid it in a fridge. He hid in a fridge. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. Things like this, like it just gets more and more ridiculous. The news gets more ridiculous. People are desensitized by it. Yeah. And then Yeah, people just Yeah. Well, know. I'm pretty sure Trump's approval rating went up after he was impeached. Yeah. All right. So um the the actual original question that I asked you was how do you think you will be affected by conservative politics? But I guess I guess the actual question is something that we've spoken about before. Um and it's something that you told me is a question that none of your white friends have ever asked you. And that is, how has your, what impact on your life has your experience of being a mixed race person had? Um, Yeah. Mm. You don't have to answer that with respect to like the election because like, but like, what's it, what's, yeah, what's your experience been like? Mm. Um, Yeah, definitely don't think it really links to the action too much um yeah i guess i th- this is something that just i thought about recently um uh yeah i guess i guess growing up especially in school and in college the majority of my friends were white and it's only until i moved to london that that changed yeah um which also means that like some of my views changed like I haven't always had the same views that I have now yeah like people's minds can be changed to a certain degree I think probably easier when you're younger as well. easier when you're yeah. younger yeah very difficult when you're older but not impossible um the question what was the question <laughs> what what's, how is it affected what's yeah what's your experience been what was my experience but you're talking about school what was school yeah. like school was your school sounds fucking yeah. <laughs> I didn't even realise it was that bad until I told you about it but yeah well tell me about um, it again so yeah I was at school in Yorkshire and it was quite a rough school um 
there wasn't really any other kids there who were not white maybe like one girl who we didn't speak to um but yeah it was tough and I wouldn't say I was bullied because some people were really bullied um but again like you experience up I experienced racism and I didn't know why I just didn't know why people were saying things to me or how why people were a certain way towards me and I didn't realize I wasn't white for a long time what would they what would they say and what would they do if that's something you feel comfortable talking about um just like ask really invasive questions I guess or like they will shout things across the playground and things like that and then it's things that like you know like not you know, people always shout things like, oh, I'm Chinese, da, 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 da. but it's, it's really annoying because like, I'm not. Yeah. And even now, so I was at a pub last week, maybe the week before, and this guy comes up to me and, he, and out of nowhere, this guy comes up to me, we haven't been chatting or anything, and he just looks at me and says, oh, you got those Chinese manga eyes, like, and then he walks away. Um, and that's like completely unsolicited like that's not and like it it never fails to amaze me how people feel like they have a right to Mm. tell you how what they're thinking or what they think about you or if people ask you where you're from um, personally I don't really mind that question too much it's more sort of the follow up where are you really yeah where are you really from (sighs) are you really from or like they're dissatisfied with your answer because you don't fit into what they expect yeah so if, if someone um, asks i'm sure you, you felt that as well if someone asks you and you say england mm, you say yorkshire yeah and then they're like no you're what? not what but you look so exotic yeah, or some yeah, shit yeah. like that yeah yeah no i i've had the <laughs> the exact same experience um yeah i think like that that man coming up to you and saying that horrible thing, um, there must be something that people, especially white people, uh, well, I say that because my experience, these comments have come from white people. Well, he wasn't white. Wow. Mm. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I th- my, my what I was saying still stands true because my mm. experience has been that these comments have come mostly from white people mm. um but i understand how they could come from Anyways. anyone really yeah. um but like there is there is this thing there is this idea that people that like it's okay to tell people who look different that they look different mm. and that like maybe they think it's a compliment mm. mm-hmm like, um, I, I went, yeah, I went on a date with someone and, um, yeah, they were like, they're like, they're like a, like a socialist. Yeah. And like, they're woke. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, woke. Yeah. Um, and they were like, wow, like, you've got incredible skin. Um, like, wh- where are you from? You must be like, you must be like you know, from somewhere in in Mediterranean, like you must be Italian or something. And it was just like all this stuff, like your skin. So it's beautiful. like on, there's like blah, 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 blah. Yeah, blah, and blah, like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. that's my face. Like this is my, this is my body. 
And like, as soon as people start telling me things, telling me things about what my mm. body means to them, mm. because it's not like theirs, it's just like, I don't know, like in the context of a date, it's really weird because like, am I supposed to be flattered? Am I supposed to be like, oh, thank you. Mm. Uh, uh-huh. Mm. But, like, I guess she was kind of right. Like, my mum's from Macedonia. And that, that is, like, Mediterranean. Um, yeah, so, like, I... It's, like, at its core, there was nothing harmless about what she said to me. It was just a comment about my appearance. And really, it was quite different to yours. Because, like, I wasn't being told that I looked like a cartoon character. Mm. Um... I was just being told that, like, I had different skin. Mm-hmm. But, like, I feel like underlying her comment, the comment about my skin was, like, this um, this idea that fundamentally I was, like, a different person. Or, like, my experience was different. or Or there was... Like, something that I had access to that either she was suspicious of or she didn't know about or something. But, like, in, like, that shouldn't be a feature of a conversation when you've just Mm -hmm. met someone. Mm -hmm. Like, I, yeah, I I, I don't know. Like, who, I think the, the thing the thing that that man said to you is a lot more aggressive and like way more intrusive because you, like you hadn't even agreed to have a conversation with this person. When it comes from men as well, especially being part Asian, part Southeast Asian, when it comes from men, this is a special little thing about that mm. that really, really, really gets to me. Mm. Like really gets to me. Mm. Um, yeah, just like people fetishizing people of different ethnicities, um, like for their own for their own benefit or for their own like pleasure. It just it really is not okay. Mm. Um, and I see it all the time, mm. and I grew up seeing it because mm. I was in Thailand a lot of time at mm. the time when I was growing up. Um, so especially like if anyone listening to this has been to Bangkok, which a lot of people have. Like, it's a really popular city to visit nowadays. Like, if you go there, um, yeah, you'll see a lot of expats and white tourists sort of, you know, looking for a good time. So that's something that has bothered me growing up. And um, I wouldn't say I was directly teased about it, but I felt a lot of shame growing up Mm. about my heritage and I think a lot of it is also linked to that have you wanted to like have you ever tried to change the way you look um yeah well I'm not religious Mm. um but yeah you know this already um I, I do remember when I was in secondary school maybe like early secondary school how old um, let's say like 14 okay. I think that was a bad time I mm. think for a lot of people it's a really bad time um, I remember before I went to sleep sort of like 
with every inch of my body, like praying and wishing that I would wake up blonde with blue eyes, like a perfect little Aryan girl. Wow. Um, and I definitely have friends who've done the same thing. Who have felt the same. Um, mm. And this is not even... I mean, I feel like... So this must... So that what, that's like 10 years ago? Mm. And like the kind of media that we had in our lives then, like we didn't I mean, really have... Phones didn't really do that much then. We didn't have the same kind of influences that we do now. So I really... Like it scares me to think about what kids go through now with things like Instagram um, and how that affects their sort of self-esteem and how they how they feel about how they look. Because mm. um, growing up, I always wanted to look white um, and I didn't realise I wasn't white until maybe it was like, I don't know, 10, 11, quite late. I realised much later than that, mm. like 20, when I was 20. Mm. Um and I realized because my friend called me a person of color, mm. like my Asian mm-hmm. friend called me a person of color. And I was like, huh? Mm. <laughs> and what? Oh, yeah, I was like, what? what? Um, and then like, yeah, they were like, haven't you been told that like you look different? Haven't you been told? And I was like, oh, oh yeah. Um, but anyway, that, that's a bit off topic. But um, what uh, the thing you said about like praying, mm. I am like, I'm, I'm, I am not religious i wasn't raised by religious parents i like i don't believe in a judeo-christian islamic god um but i prayed once oh a few times when i was like seven in the shower i prayed that my hair wouldn't be so dark and that my hair wouldn't be so thick and that Mm -hmm. there wouldn't be hair on my arms and legs Mm -hmm. because i was different and i was bullied for having I was called like a, like, this is actually really fucked. Like, um, like, uh, calling someone with African heritage, like a monkey or a gorilla or something. I'm like, I, my dad's, my dad's skin isn't that dark. It's a fair bit darker than mine, but it's not that dark. And like, he's been called those things, Mm -hmm. but like, I was literally called a gorilla in primary school by, by people. And like, just because of my, well, I assume it was because of my arm hair. I don't think, but like my dad's also African, mm-hmm, like Algeria mm-hmm. is in North Africa. Um, and yeah. And so in the shower, I remember praying <clears throat> and wow, my throat is so funny. Um, I remember sha- I shaved my arms and my legs, all the hair off them. So in year seven, seven, eight. Yeah, I was, wow. I was um seven and then I remember yeah and obviously like like who knows how to shave when they're seven mm. and so I like ripped so much skin off my arms um and I still have scars on my left arm like near my near my elbow um there's like discolored skin and yeah I remember being hairless and being like Oh yeah, like this is this is how it's meant to be. Hellas for like one day and then it grows. Yeah, hellas like one day and then because like I'm like a hairy Arab, it grew back quick. <laughs> <laughs> and then and probably thicker. Probably thicker, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I remember going out. Like I was at dinner with my mum when I was soon after I'd done this. I was seven, and she like looked at my arms and she's like, 
Alexander, like, have you shaved your arms? And I was like, no. And then it became this thing, like, I think someone at school realized. And then, really? Yeah. And they, then, like, they teased me for that a little bit. Just when I think one person realized. Mm. Um, but, yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Kids are horrible. Like, but, like, really. but also, like, that's so sad. Mm. Like, that's so sad for both of us that, like, we wished we weren't who we were because of how, because of the forces that told us how we were supposed to look or what was mm. a beautiful way to look. Then it's weird, like, think about how many people use fake tan. So weird. Yeah, I've never. I don't understand. And think it. about. I don't understand yeah, it. Yeah, I don't understand it. I just don't get it. And yeah. you have like celebrities like Ariana Grande, who are like Ariana Grande is, I think American Italian, so she's white, but she looks black, and like Kim Kardashian looks black, and like the way that they dress and the way that they talk and, like, the way that they do their makeup, like they're trying to be a certain way. And the fake tanning is, uh, the fake tan is at past the point where it's like, to me, it's wild when you see pictures like, yeah, they go from like pale white to brown, mm. like darker than me. Mm-mm. Um, yeah, I guess people, I mean, people, do people comment on your skin tone? Oh, now? yeah, yeah, yeah. Not so much in London because yeah, I think there's same. like, there's... Like, London, London is more diverse than Melbourne. Mm. Um, like, there is a huge uh, community of people of colour here that that I haven't seen in Melbourne. Mm. Um, at least, yeah, the area that I lived in in Melbourne was white middle class. And I feel right. like the, the, like, borough, the area that I live in, Hackney, is, mm. like, much more diverse yeah. than the inner north of Melbourne where I live. For sure. Um, but yeah, back back home, like, um, even my, my closest friend, my closest friend, um, and like he knew, he knew that like it wasn't, that it bothered me to say this, but like he, he would try and say it in a way that, like he was giving me a compliment. He would say like, I wish I had skin like yours. And he was hmm. like white Irish. Hmm. Um, like he was, he's so white. His skin is so white. He's like translucent. Um, and yeah, like uh, my mum even comments about it sometimes. Yeah, my mum does as well. Yeah. Like she wants, she, oh, I want your little nose. I want your light skin. Yeah. Shit. <sighs> so you get it both ways. Yeah. It's like- <laughs> yeah. Like I get told that, yeah, we both get told that our features are desirable and then we get like treated as though like our features make us fundamentally different from everyone around us who who isn't like from where we're from mm-hmm. um yeah but like like i'm you said you said something um you've said something before about people in thailand mm-hmm. asking you where you're from in a way that's mm-hmm. different from white people mm. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I guess generally here, um, when people ask, uh, it's often very early on in the conversation. I often don't know that person, mm. like, at all. Um, and it's also just, it's one of the reasons why I hate going out to pubs and bars and stuff, because, yeah, 
it's like a trap for it um but yeah people ask you know where you're from you give them an answer they're not satisfied with the answer so they're like where are you really from and then even then (laughs) i might say oh you know yorkshire and they're like oh yeah but 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 you don't look like it or oh but but you've got and this is what people like to do and they're they're always like oh but you've got such your features you've got surely you must have something something. (laughs) (laughs) but not and it's like uh the best one is when people are like oh oh you look japanese they just say they just said oh you look japanese i'm like well i'm not and then they don't know what to say, so like, oh well. So you know what, what, what I are meant. you then? <laughs> so what are you then? Like, what could you? Because people, people's knowledge of Southeast Asia, people's knowledge of loads of areas of the world is very limited. So then, if you're not Chinese, you're not Japanese. Oh, so what could they be? It's really, mm. really funny. Mm. But it's not funny. <laughs> it sucks. Mm. But you have to laugh about it. And in Thailand. And in Thailand. Um, so I do speak Thai and I speak it quite well because my mum taught me as I was just the same way that I learned English. I just learned it growing up because she spoke it with me. So my Thai is quite fluent and I don't really have like an accent. Um, so when I speak Thai with Thai people in Thailand or here, for example, like if I go and order some food or something, they're always very surprised because they're kind of like, oh, oh, you know, we don't you speak Thai really well why like you don't look Thai um and then I'm always just have to be like oh you know I'm half half Thai and then yeah then it's still it's still kind of like they're still kind of like probing a bit like oh well you don't look it but okay we'll we'll accept that um but I think people generally in Thailand ask because they're just curious and then not for like the same reasons what um, but like I, I mean, I feel like some people are genuinely curious, but mm, like, mm-hmm. but but don't know how to ask. But there's like a difference. Right. Like if someone, uh, if someone where you're from asks you where you're from, because they're like, hey, you look like me, but like, um, like tell tell me more about it, like something like that. That's kind of what it sounds like. Mm. But then like when a white person asks me where I'm from, it's like you don't look like me. Like, why why Mm, do you sound mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. me? Why do you dress like me? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that, at least that's, but I feel like I've been asked that question so many times that I hate it now. And so like, even if, even if, like I I actually get uncomfortable in like the early stages of conversation because I like, I don't want that to happen because I know that it will, it will change how I feel about the person. Because I've just had so many horrible experiences with me being like, look, like, and like, even, yeah, like, I just, I get told all the time that, um, my, that I have like a neutral Australian accent. Right. And that's like just another thing that yeah, like. I think I've actually commented on your accent. <laughs> that, that's fine. <laughs> that, like it's, but I mean, how many Australian accents have you heard? Like three. Yeah. Okay. But like, people from Melbourne will be like, "Where are you from? Like, where do you learn English?" <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. And like, I I don't know. I don't. It, but like, how, if people are genuinely curious, mm. 
Mm. Okay, okay. Let me ask you this. If people, are, if a white person is genuinely curious, yeah, has there ever been a way that someone has asked you that question that was like that didn't make you wince and shiver and shake? I think there has been. Um... Um, how would they have asked it? How would they have asked it? Something, I guess... I guess it's like asking, like, oh, well, where are your parents from? Okay. I don't really mind that question. Okay. Um, yeah, it really depends who it's coming from. You can, okay. you can kind of, like, vibe it, really, can't you? Like, when yeah, 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 yeah. Um... Yeah, but that, that that's also yeah. You're right. Mm. That's another because it's not where are you from? Like, uh, like, we've had this conversation as well about like childhood experiences of this and sort of. I mean, when I experienced these kind of like conflicts in my identity and belonging when I was a kid, um, like my parents never sat me down and were like, "You were different." <laughs> that was something that I had to figure out myself. And to, even now, they're still never really... We've never really talked about it. Um, so I think when you're a kid and something happens, someone says something to you, you don't really know how to deal with it because you don't know what that is. And you don't know why someone's been like that. And, I mean, I was I didn't tell my parents a lot of things growing up. So I kept it all in. And then I think maybe like two years ago, I told my dad about something that happened. Um... I think it's we were probably talking about something to do with politics and then it maybe went into this somehow. Um, and I remember being with two friends when I was maybe about seven or eight and, and playing in a park on some, like, slide thing, swing, whatever. And then there was some kids from that town playing there as well. And then this had never happened to me before. But one of the kids just shouted at me, like, go back to where you came from. And that, to, like, a seven-year-old kid that's unsupervised. And my friends who I was with, like, didn't really know what was going on. They were just like, mm. They didn't know what to do. Um, yeah. And I didn't really understand what would, what had happened. And then I just got in the car with my dad and we just went home. And then I never told him about it until like two years ago. And then his response to that was like, why didn't you tell me? But, you know, yeah, I'd never been told yeah. that racism was, I didn't know what it was. Mm. Um, and I mean, I think even now like he sort of sees me as white. Mm. I think I said to him like, oh, you know, I think I was like 12 or 13 or something or whatever when I realized I wasn't white. And he was like, but you are white. Um, and again, like maybe he thinks that's the right that's the right thing to say, and that's what I want to hear. Um, hmm. I don't know. What was the point? It was yeah. Just how do you know these things when you're a kid? Mm. It's so painful. And, like, my experience isn't even that bad. Yeah, well, neither's mine. Like, it's not even that bad. So, yeah. I mean, I'm white passing, for sure. Um, so, th uh, yeah. And I haven't actually... Uh, like, nothing really bad has ever really happened to me. 
and it still sucks so like yeah so for for a lot of people like the situation is so much worse um oh, yeah. so i think that's one of the reasons that and especially since brexit happened it feels different so like let's say two years ago when people when the brexit vote came out like it feels different here like london feels different it feels more hostile and you see more acts of like hatred happening to people um and i think one thing especially that people can do is like stand up to it um like it's really easy for people to be like the good citizen and which is actually to do nothing um but if you know if you see someone do something even if it's like a microaggression those things fucking hurt and it's not always safe for people to stand up against someone who's acting that way towards them so i would say to people um yeah be a good ally and if you see that shit do something about it ask the person if they were feeling okay or just you know have their back Mm. um and and especially if if you're a white person and that's coming from a white person absolutely Um. 100 percent because it sucks yeah because you're like just going about your day doing your thing and then like this thing happens and you're like wow now i have to sit and think about me like (laughs) what that means yeah 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 like i throws you off like yeah because yeah and it it it, at least for me it when things like that happen it reminds me of like it just reminds me of the trauma that my family has gone through Mm -hmm. on both sides Mm. when someone is like you're different Mm. like i I forget i forget that like algeria was colonized and like millions were killed like i forget that and then someone will be like like literally i like i my house one of my old housemates from melbourne was dating this guy and we were on the tram going to her birthday dinner and i was like showing him my id because i look i look really funny (laughs) Mm -hmm. and he was like you look so ethnic okay and like i i realized that like that people had been saying that to me a lot Mm. and like what the but Mm -hmm. what does that even mean yeah what does that even mean um it's like oh not not white yeah not white basically so not normal yeah and then i just remember like i did like i i was like i couldn't get over that and it ruined the night for me and i never saw him the same way Mm. because i knew that like i knew that it was i i knew that like he's a nice guy He's, he's pretty weird but like he's a nice dude um and i didn't have a conversation with him because it wasn't like the time and place like he was dating my housemate it was her birthday Mm. we're on a tram like i don't want to be like excuse me sir um you can't say that to me because it's gonna make me feel really bad and look there are legacies of colonialism and stuff that you have no fucking idea about and when you say that it brings all of this up it's like maybe maybe i should say that maybe Um, i should have said that but like would he have listened do you think he would have listened he probably would have been like shit dude i had no fucking idea Mm. but and i'm sure most people have no fucking idea that that's what they're like bringing up but just don't fucking do it don't tell me or mina that we fucking look different don't yeah don't do it (laughs) (sighs) 
Yeah. But. But. Since realize okay, there's the one thing that I forgot to say. Mm. So the moment when I was like done rejecting my heritage mm. was when I was having an argument with my mum, and she just she she was really upset. Um, we were probably arguing about something silly that teenagers argue about, but then she said she asked me if she if I wished that she was white. Um, which was heartbreaking, like really, really horrible. And um, I think I had had sort of would daydream sometimes that I had a white mum. It's really difficult to say. Um, it's horrible. Like it's horrible that. Yeah, from then on, I was kind of like fuck this is bad like this is I need to actually just accept who I am and what that means and like pay attention to the yeah the culture that is yeah is mine as well and um I guess I am I'm quite lucky and thankful that I do speak Thai because it means I have a connection with that side of me and I have grown up spending a lot of time there um I can communicate with my family there which some people um are unable to do because of the language barrier so I'm very thankful for that and yeah but it's been a long journey and it's like continuous and I'm sure it is for you as well um yeah it's definitely not linear no um and even yeah what time are we at Long. <laughs> maybe. Maybe enough. Okay. Um, Is there anything else you want to talk about? Or say? You talk about colonialism a little bit. Yeah. Okay. See, I actually, from my background, and it's the same with, um, yeah, like my experience actually isn't as severe as yours like I can't really say that I've been direct I can't really say that my ancestors have been directly that I know of um sort of affected by colonialism in a traditional sense like yours have um yeah because out of all the countries in Southeast Asia Thailand was never colonized like never by mm. the Europeans, mm. which is wild, because every other country bordering it has been colonized by the French or the British or the Dutch. Um, yeah, so I'd... yeah, but then it has it has a huge Western influence. It is hugely influenced by the West, and. For my opinion on the tourism no. <laughs> so the tourism industry there has like gone like blown up in the last 20 30 years and it's going to continue to grow and yeah that the environmental impact of that is is really serious and it's really bad and there's a lot of exploitation i can't 
fucking stand going to any of the places where there are white tourists in Thailand because it just makes me like it, it makes my body want to shrivel up and die mm. like it's really horrible to see people treating your country like that like it, where there's so much like culture and tradition and like there's so much like it's such a respectful like the way that people are is like so respectful and then you see like white tourists sort of going to go and help at an orphanage or going to go and clean an elephant or something and getting wrecked and like yeah it's it's really difficult to see Hmm. when i when i go there so i find that quite difficult and i've seen it from a young age as well it's definitely been affected by western influence a lot but it's not at the same scale Hmm. it's not like yeah any sort of significant historical damage has been done by like other countries in that area Mm. so not specifically westerners Mm. but like how different is how different is a country's transformation as a result of tourism from colonialism because Mm. like maybe like i did this anthropology subject and for half of it we half of the like i don't know five six weeks we were like looking at different definitions of colonialism and how it changes over time. Mm. And like, it seems like today, like colonialism can be done in a way that isn't, that doesn't have like casualties. Mm. There aren't bodies. Mm. There aren't bodies to show that there's been like a colonial power pushing through. But like, yeah, it sounds like what you're describing is like, like a whitewashing of your country. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and like, that's that's yeah. what happened in Algeria. Mm-hmm. People went there. The French mm-hmm. went there and they were like, wow, the beaches. Like, this is nice. The it's beaches warm. are great. Yeah. It's warm. Like, like, we can pay people, like, nothing. And they'll do all the things that we want them to do. Yeah. Like, how, yeah. how different is that from? Mm. And I like, mean, how many are... Thai people speak English now? a lot is it taught in schools it's taught in schools Mm. but i imagine like that that's a bit like i mean but everyone wants to practice english Mm. you know everyone all my second cousins want to call me because they want to practice their english Mm. um i don't blame them like if it's going to help them which it will which it will presumably it's fine you know Mm. it's fine um but it's sad because it means that there's a devaluation of the native language mm. and a prioritization of mm-hmm. English. There's a prioritization of the of the values of a different place. Yeah. Because like for like I went to Morocco. Morocco is right next to Algeria and I think that's I haven't been to Algeria. So for me that's the closest mm-hmm. culturally that I've been to Algeria. And in the big cities it feels like any kind of there are parts of it that feel exactly like a western place Mm. like there are restaurants lines Mm -hmm. and lines of restaurants Mm -hmm. and like sure like restaurants are a thing like in all parts of the world in parts of the world that haven't been westernized but like kfc mcdonald's like traditional moroccan cuisine like japanese restaurant chinese restaurant um 
shopping mall, mm. cinema, bowling alley. People in Thailand love malls. I've never seen anything like it. They love it. Mm. I think it's the air conditioning. Mm. But yeah, it's just all. It, it doesn't almost doesn't feel that different, mm. really. But like that, that's a symbol of like if you can access these places, if you can go into the mall and buy shit, mm. like you're different. Yeah, like yeah. You're bigger. People hang out at malls and don't buy stuff in Thailand because it's a status thing. It's like people want to be seen at the mall. Mm. People want to be seen like walking around like the big mall in the central area. Like it has like you know Chanel and Gucci and all this, and people are always kind of loitering around like they want to be seen. Um. Mm. So, what do you think about about tourism as? A new form of colonialism. Um, Tourism in the I way you described it. I really hate it. Okay. I really hate it. It makes me sad. Um, it makes me sad when I talk to someone and they find out that my mum's from Thailand and their first reaction is, I've been to Thailand. I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't. People always want to tell me about how they rode an elephant or they went to this full moon festival or something. And it just it makes me feel like it just makes me feel like people's view of where I'm from is so reduced Mm. and minimalistic like there's no possible way that they could have experienced the real thing and yeah and I think that tourism it, it has generated a lot of money for Thailand's economy like a lot of money um, and Thailand's economy is not good, um, and it's gonna it's gonna be more and more and more money because more people are gonna go. Like Bangkok's the most visited city in the world. Really? Yeah, people don't really stay for that long, but it's very visited. Like especially if you're on the Stop way somewhere. Mm. Um, Layover. Yeah, but there are whole towns that have emerged because of tourism. Like especially like in the northeast, there's a town called Bai which is, um, like, I went there, I drove through there, doing, like, a loop of the northern area. But there's a town where you can get so much vegetarian food. And, like, you don't get that much vegetarian food in Thailand, really. Mm. But this town sells, like, veggie food everywhere. (sighs) And it's because all the hippies go there. Mm. So now this town is generating economy through catering to Western kind of hippie-dippy tourists. (sighs) Um, and like I remember, you know, I chatted to a woman who owned a bar there, um, Thai woman, and she loved it because she loves partying and she had lived there for a while and like didn't have anything to do. And then all of a sudden this like tourism thing flared up and she was like, this is great. Like she can do what she wants to do and make money from it and stuff. But I fear that most people's experience is not like that. Well, yeah. I just don't like seeing Thai people having to please westerners and it's just yeah that's what you see when you go over there basically Mm. like i can't stand it Mm. Mm. yeah you okay yeah Mm. hmm
Well, thanks for talking with you. No problem. It means a lot. Thanks for sharing. Thanks yeah. for listening. No problem. You too. Um. Yeah. Is there any any last message you want to leave? For mm. don't be put off by what I said about about um going to Thailand. Do go. Just do it in a really sort of non-exploitative way is what I would say I don't think there's a problem with like wanting to see different parts of the world that's totally fine yeah Hmm. Um, yeah and I think if in terms of like how we're talking about people asking questions about yourself like where you're from I think yeah if if you're unsure then um, it's actually maybe okay to just say to someone like that you want to ask this thing, but you we, maybe you should just ask them how they would like it to be asked. Mm. That's what that's the only way I can think that I would like that to happen. Mm. That sort of conversation. Yeah. Add a clause. Yeah. Be like, there's something I want to ask yeah. you. Yeah, it's not that I wouldn't want to talk about it. Mm. It's just like, yeah. I'm interested. Mm. Cool. 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 Bye. 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 Bye.